Hey everybody, thank you for choosing the Richlands Tabernacle Podcast. Right here every Thursday you'll hear two new sermons from the church delivered by either Pastor Boyd or one of the other ministers from the church. We ask that you please leave us a five-star review and leave your testimony in the comments just to help the podcast grow and be in front of more people. We hope you enjoy. God bless. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Boy, the Lord's here tonight, isn't he? The Lord's here tonight, isn't he? I like what I feel in my spirit here this evening. I'm grateful for the presence of God that comes by and lifts our spirits and puts a pep back in our step when our feet are grown heavy and weary with these burdens of life. And I'm thankful tonight to feel the presence of God here. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this evening. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel and preach. 1 Samuel chapter number 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. This weather has just been incredible, hasn't it? This week, beautiful, beautiful weather uh, that we're having here in these mountains. And one thing about preaching, uh, you don't want to, there's a few things you compete against. And one of those things you compete against is good weather like this. Bad weather folks ain't got nothing else to do. Got a better chance of getting them to church. Good weather on July 4th. The worst enemies of the evangelist. <clears throat> First Samuel chapter number 22. David therefore departed thence, verse 1, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. That word Adullam there means refuge. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave refuge. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him and every one that was in distress and every one that was in debt and every one that was discontented gathered themselves unto him And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Now I want want us to understand what we're reading this evening. David is really in the fight of his life right here. He's literally running for his life. He has lost his mentor Samuel. His own father-in-law hates him. He's a hunted man. He's... One step between him and death that he records. David is really in the worst possible place in all of life. And he goes to this cave of Adullam to find refuge. Some solace, some solitude, some isolation to be alone. Only to get a knock at the door. And here comes Mr. In Distress. All right, come on in this cave. Another knock at the door. Come on in here, Mr. Indebted Person. Have another knock at the door. Come on in, Mr. Discontentment. And all of these people, David was literally like looking at a mirror image of himself with people that was in distress indebted and discontented David was looking at people just 
like him. I want to preach to us for a few moments tonight. And this is not going to be long. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be up here for a few moments. We're going to pray. But here's what I want to talk to us about tonight. People just like me. That's really what David was finding here, Brother Roger. Was he was literally looking at people that was just like he was. You know that old statement that misery loves company really does have a, a, a lot of reality in that. And then that other statement that we are known by the company that we keep. And then how about this one? We are who we hang around. Whenever I read this passage of scripture here and I know what David's going up against. And they, there's no reason to get into all this tonight. But, but, but David's back was literally against the wall. He had nowhere else that he could turn to. And so he runs inside of a cave. Which was a classic example and a typography of exactly what was going on in David's life. He runs in the base of a mountain. You know what a cave is, don't you? One of them dark, dingy places that's a home for bats and, 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 and odd-looking creatures and odd-looking people that come out of that cave. No windows in that cave. No sunlight ever gets in that cave. David thinks to himself, I'm going to run inside of that cave and try to find a little refuge there. It was literally like David was saying, I feel like the weight of the mountain is now on top of me. Now David knew what it was like to be on the mountain. He knew what it was like to say, the Lord ain't never done me nothing but good. Just like we were singing a few moments ago when we was, we was getting ready to cross that mountaintop. We was getting ready to shout on the other side of that mountain. David knew what it was to skip across the hills with that harp in his hand and make beautiful melodies unto God and begin to shout the praises of God. But, but now David is saying, I'm not on the mountain, but now the mountain is on top of me. Boy, I feel like God wants to talk to somebody in this house tonight. Mammoth Cave has 52,380 acres of land that it covers in its national park. I cannot even begin to compute how much weight is within that 52,000 acres of ground. Every time that I visit Mammoth Cave, and I would suggest that you do the same thing, an amazing place to visit, whenever I walk inside of that massive cave cathedral room, I just say, God, you've held it up for this long. Keep on holding that ceiling up for this one hour and 25 minute tour. I'll be out quickly, Lord. Just keep on holding that ceiling up. But I, I, in my mind, Brother Steve, I think that David was really thinking that this cave of Adullam was probably going to be his burial ground, his resting place that he would never escape from. When he gets there to that cave of refuge, 
He finds only now that word spreads. Goes back to his mom and daddy's house. David's in trouble. Where's my boy at? He's down there in that cave. You know where Adullam is, don't you? That's just on the opposite ridge from where Judea was. He's inside of that, of that, of that dingy, dark place, that cave. And David's father's household says, let's go visit our boy in that cave. Isn't it amazing that the moment that you want to be alone, you just can't find a place to be alone. Somebody will figure out where your solitude, place of peace is at and say, I've come to join you in this peaceful place. It's like that one guy that was trying to define what peace was to the Indian man. And he said, it's a place way out where nobody knows where it is. And there's no people. And the Indian said, you'll not find that on earth, white man. You'll not find that on earth. I mean, David has lost his wife, his mentor, lost his father-in-law. Being hunted, arrows pointing at him all the time, swords and spears getting ready to thrust through him, runs inside of this cave trying to find a few moments of peace. Here comes his father's household, come to pay him a visit, come to give him a little bit of comfort. Only now, word begins to spread. David's inside of this place all alone with just his family. And here comes those people that are wounded, that are broken, that are busted, that are disgusted, that are upset with the way that life is turning out for them, that are unhappy with everything that they're eating. They are not satisfied in anything that they're doing. Don't look at me like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Nobody can bake you a cake good enough. Nobody can make those muffins good enough. Nobody can give you a gift card that, 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 that will get you to a restaurant that satisfies your taste buds. Nobody can do any kind thing, write you a card, give you money, give you a check. You can't find it anywhere. That's what David was doing. People just like me. Now, a few years ago, me and Brother Randy Webb, we were talking about this this afternoon. A few years ago, he was preaching out at um, OBI's convocation out in Missouri, in the Osho. And so, uh, in classic Brother Randy fashion, Brother Roger knows what I'm talking about. He'll find somebody that will agree to go with him to these places. And it's really a hired driver. As he calls me often, I'm the uber goober. So, I meet him in Lexington and we jump in the car and he got there a little bit before I did. And Whenever I pulled up to the scene, he was already over there in that passenger side seat with that pillow, a couple bottles of Diet Mountain Dew, a few king-size Reese cups. He said, Dave, I'm ready for the trip. He's ready to go to sleep, so he's ready to do. 
And so, anyways, we go journeying on, and we're, we're heading down through Kentucky and Illinois, and we get out there in the middle of Missouri at about 2.33 in the morning. Had my phone hooked up to the Bluetooth there in his uh, Suburban, and my phone rings at nearly 3 o'clock in the morning. Brother Randy wakes up. What's going on? Who in the world's calling you? Look down. It was a private number. And I get prank calls all the time. I got prank calls my whole life. In the middle of the night, they know that I'm, I'm the only one that's dumb enough to answer the phone at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. So I thought, well, it's just going to be a prank call. Let's see what the prank's about. Private number. Hello? The other end was a recorded voice that said, this is a call from the Boone County, Kentucky Sheriff's Office. Press one to accept. I thought, man, something bad's happened, Brother James. The Sheriff's Office is calling me at this hour of the night. And so, press one, accepted it, and I said, hello. And on the other end of the line was the voice of a man that said, Hey, Dave, remember me? Disclaimer. If somebody calls you at 3 o'clock in the morning from the Boone County, Kentucky Sheriff's Office, and the first words out of their mouth is, Hey, Dave, remember me? Do yourself a favor. Hang up the phone immediately. I said, I don't know. Who is this? Began to converse back and forth. He said, he said, well, we used to go to church together years ago. And I finally clicked in my mind. I ain't seen this guy in years. Hadn't talked to this guy in a long time. And, uh, and, and, and this guy's one of, them, one of them dudes, Brother Watson, that just, he's just a few fries short of the Happy Meal thing. Not all there. I said, what in the world have you got yourself into? He said, now, Brother David, I want you to know I was led by the Lord to do this. Houston, we have a live one. I said, what in the world did you do? He said, the Lord told me to go to the nursing home and to preach to those captives and set them free. I thought to myself, oh, my goodness. What do you want me to do for you? He said, well, listen, I, I, I know your family's connected politically over here and and, and, and is, is there some way you could help a guy out? So I said, all right, let me see what I can do. I said, I said, pal, listen, we're going, I'm going to do my best to get you out of here, but just go back home. Don't bother anybody else. And sure enough, don't bother me. I'm preaching tonight on people just like me. I called the sheriff and I, I said, I said, sheriff, you know who we are? I said, that guy's as harmless as a turtle. Just, just let him go and keep him away from the nursing home. And so that, 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 that kind of sealed the deal there. He went on his way and called me back about an hour later and said, Hey, is there a way you could send me $10? I'm kind of hungry. Now, have you ever asked yourself the question, Why is it that I attract all the crazy people? Y'all still out here tonight. It's going to be over with the next 10 or 12 minutes. But 
I mean, I asked myself the question, how in the world do these crazy people have my phone number? Who have I talked to at the wrong church, at the wrong place, at the wrong time, that I am their one phone call? Now listen, if you call me and you're in jail, I'm just going to refer you over to Brother Philip. Okay? I was preaching somewhere the other day. And this old boy, a hippie, that was in that service. And I was preaching in the United States of America. And, and, and he, he seen us get out the anointing oil and begin to pray for folks. And uh, the pastor already told me, he said, he said, he said, man, this guy, don't listen to anything this guy says. But, uh, but anyways, this guy come up to me and he had seen us getting out that anointing oil and praying for people. And at the end of the service that night, he handed me a bottle and said, hey, preacher, I think this stuff here will work good on your patients. Like I was a doctor. I said, well, what is it? He says, well. It's that stuff that y'all's using, that oil to anoint people. But this is CBD oil. I mean, why do I attract crazy people? This is also the, the same guy that the pastor told whenever, whenever he marched in his office and, and, said, and said, Pastor, I was driving down this road and the Lord told me to come to this church. And the pastor said, all right, if God told you to come to this church, this is great wisdom, great advice. I'm going to use it in the future. He said, pal, if God told you to come to this church, that means that we have something here that can help you, not you help us. Now, isn't it amazing that these discontented, these indebted, and these people that was in distress, they come to David not to help David, but they knew David had something that would help them. I want to tell you this evening, God did not send you to this church to examine everybody else and to do this and to do that. God did not call you to pastor this church. You already got a pastor. If God has called you to this place, that's a pretty good indication. I need what they have to offer. These people reach the point that you must be in tonight. The point of helplessness. The wounded come to this cave. And the Bible tells us that these, these people that were discontented, these people that were distressed, these people that were indebted, that were distressed there means a narrow place. It was like the walls were literally caving in upon them. They were in such a predicament that, that, that they had nowhere else to turn except to find a man that was seeking after the heart of God inside of that cave. There was those that were discontented. That were discontented there meant heaviness of spirit, loss of rest, loss of sleep. 
They came with their hands heavy. They came with their backs heavy. They came with their legs barely able to walk. I don't know if they came in on crutches, on walkers, or on canes. But they came in looking for rest. Let me tell you, if you're in this house tonight and you feel like the walls are caving in and you feel like there is a heaviness of spirit that is upon you, the book still says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then, the indebted folks. I'm not going to preach all those three points tonight, but those in distress, walls caving in. Those discontented, heaviness of spirit. This word, debt. I hate the word debt. I hate the fact that we spent and injected $6 trillion into the United States economy since the China virus took place. You want to know why we're having so much inflation? Because the government caused it. Saul had caused this debt. These, whenever, whenever you study this word debt, this was not a bunch of credit cards that they racked up balances on. This was not mortgages at some bank that they had taken out uh, uh, loans for homes they could not afford. This had nothing to do with a debt that they had incurred themselves. This was a taxation that was so heavy to pay for the kingdom of Saul, for his wars, for his wants, for his own selfish pleasures, that he placed the blame and placed the debt in the tax upon the shoulders of these common men. And they had incurred a debt that was never of their own choosing. Listen to me tonight. If you are born again, blood-bought, purchased by the grace of God, have shook hands with the extended hand of a merciful God. If your name is written in the Lamb's great book of life, in the world above and you know that if you was to take your last breath tonight upon your bed that you would wake up in glory I want to tell you do not allow the enemy of your soul to continually bring up past sins past regrets past failures do not incur such a debt like that I'm preaching to people and I've been dealing with it more and more in a lot of the meetings here in the States of people that say, but preacher, I can't get over what I've done. I can't get over the sin that I've committed. Is there, is there any help for me? The devil keeps on bringing up my past. I deal with these scars every single day. Let me tell you what the word says. He whom the Son hath set free is free indeed. Glory to God. That word indeed is a legal word that all you had to do was bring a document, a deed into the courtroom. And the judge and the prosecutor, 
that was getting ready to slam the gavel down against you. If your name is upon that deed, you were free to walk out of the courtroom completely unharmed and completely untouched. Brother, that's exactly what the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. That is what the captain of our salvation has done for me. My sins are never remembered against me anymore. The price has been paid. The blood has been applied. They have been atoned for. The debt and the burden of sin is now lifted off of my shoulders. Inside this cave, they come hobbling in with debts and heaviness and wounded people. Listen to David as he cries. He writes three psalms. Out of this cave of Adullam, 142, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. My spirit was overwhelmed within me. In the way wherein I have walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. It's amazing that David uses that word refuge. is because that is the cave that he is presently in. Is in that cave of Adullam or the cave of refuge. But he's saying now this place of refuge has failed me. Listen to David as he cries. No man cared for my soul. It wasn't that they just cared about David and his history record and his victories in the past. But but it's the fact that they didn't care about his soul. Let me tell you, brother and sister, we can care about somebody's wallet and not care about their soul. We can care about somebody's talent but not care about their soul. We can care about somebody's leadership abilities, but we could care less about their soul. And this man David is crying unto God, begging God, attend unto my cry. For I am brought very low. Anybody here tonight ever been brought low before? Help me while I preach a few more moments. David said, I've been brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. David cries with everything in him. This cave, this place of solace, this place of comfort has now became a prison. It's now become a prison. People just like me. David looks around and sees crutches, sees bitter feelings, and sees the wounds that have been upon these people for days, years perhaps. He hears the stories. They did this to me. They did that to me. They did this wrong. They did that wrong. I just can't get over it. But inside of this cave of Adullam, God not only sends wounded into that cave, but thank God He also sends His Word into that cave. David writes in Psalms 57, 
Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth in thee. In the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Until these calamities be overpassed. I think in Psalms 142, David was sick and tired of listening to all the bad news. And he's finally now beginning to talk about the merciful God. And when you start talking about how wonderful and how great, how magnificent, how awesome are the ways of God. Brother, you will agree with me that every calamity has a time clock upon it. It has a shelf life upon it. This will not last always, but these calamities will soon be overpassed. In verse 2 he says, I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven. Let me say that again. He shall send from heaven. You know what we need around this tabernacle tonight? We need something from heaven. I said we need something from heaven. We've had everything from earth. But what we need is something from heaven. He shall send from heaven and save me. He shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie even among them that are set on fire. The sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows. Their tongue a sharp sword. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Be thou exalted, O God. David has one of two choices. We can be like everybody else and exalt our problems and exalt our discontentments and our own personal agenda with things. Or we can begin to exalt the God of glory. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. In other words, David's saying those pits that they've dug will become a grave and a snare unto their own feet. Can I put it like this? What the devil meant for evil, the Lord will turn it around and mean it for good. Listen to David as he cries in verse 7. This what we need God to do tonight my heart is fixed oh God my heart is fixed stand with me all over the house let's get ready to pray my heart is fixed oh God my heart is fixed wounded come to the cave the word comes to the cave. But when David got his heart fixed, the next phrase says, I will sing and give praise. When David got his heart fixed, you see, it wasn't a this person problem or that sister problem. It was a right here problem. And once he got this right here problem fixed, David goes over that corner, dusts off the old harp, and says, All right, harp, awake, psaltery and harp. Let's see what kind of things you have to talk about today. And he begins to praise God 
upon that harp once more and sing praises unto his God. When his heart got fixed, his hands got fixed. And when his heart got fixed, his mouth got fixed. And when his heart got fixed, his thinking got fixed. You see, if your heart will get fixed tonight, it'll change the way you're thinking about this. I said if you'll change, if you'll allow God to fix your heart, it'll change what you're seeing around you. All I see, Elisha, is the enemy that's surrounding us. But oh God, fix my servant's heart that he might see that there be more with us than be against us. David begins to sing and praise God. And in Psalm 34, he writes, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. That didn't come from a mountaintop shout. That came from a mountain low. A mountain on top of my shoulders. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. The wound had come to the cave. But thank God the word got in the cave. And let me tell you what comes out of the cave. Warriors. Do you know where David's mighty men come from? They was the ones that come in. Oh, this debt that is upon my shoulders, this conscience that the devil is breaking bark over my head with all the time. They come in on canes and crutches. They come in with a bad spirit. They came in with, a, with their heads hanging low. But when the Lord got in the cave and the word starts being praised in the cave and the name of God starts being exalted in the cave, where's that man at? Where's that man Shammah? Shammah, are you coming out of Yeah, I was once in that cave of Adullam and now I'm in this field of lentils all by myself standing all alone but give me a sword and I'll fight till the victory comes you know where that came from brother that came from out of the cave of Adullam you heard about David's mighty men that could take their right hand and shoot arrows take their left hand the ambidextrous come out of the cave. You know what God says? Right here in this hospital at the Richlands Tabernacle tonight, if you'd allow the great surgeon of heaven to lay you down on the operating table of the altar and get to working on you, I think you'll be able to do a lot more. I couldn't use that hand before, but now God is using it for me. Glory to God. Now this is better preaching than what you're giving me credit for tonight. One man, the Bible says, was more valuable than a hundred men. One of David's mighty men was even better than a thousand men. And you know what Benaiah says? Benaiah, I don't know which one, which category old Benaiah fell under. If he was... One that was in distress and felt like the walls were caving in upon him. Benaiah says, I've come out of that cave. And it's a snowy day. And there's a lion that's roaring against me. But great God, I ain't wounded any longer. I'm a warrior. Put me down in that, 
in that pit. I know what it's like to be in a cave and fight my way out. I'm going to figure out what it's like to fight in a pit in a snowy day. And Benaiah slew a lion in the pit in a snowy day. I've come tell somebody tonight, warriors get back up again. Warriors arise to the scene. Warriors, it's a valley of dry bones. But oh God, thou knowest, let the wind of heaven blow. Let the Holy Ghost wind blow. It'll unite the church. It'll bring warriors back to the front lines. And we'll see God work like never before. Thank you, Jesus, for the congregation in this place tonight. God, I pray that if there be people here that the devil of our soul is beating them down day after day, I claim the blood of Jesus against that attack from the enemy that is trying to convince them that their sins are greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. I feel the Lord here right now. Your sin is no match for the blood of Jesus that extinguishes the debt. In the name of Jesus, be set free from that right now. This altar is open, saints. Let's pray.